our cars will break down. And when they do, the repair bill can be devastating. Not anymore. You need Protect My Car. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV, you can stop paying expensive repair bills. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now to see if you could qualify. Just tell us the make and model and get an instant quote right over the phone and get coverage today. For cars between 2008 and newer, expensive repairs for the engine, transmission, and much more can become a thing of the past. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now before your next repair bill hits. For total protection of your car, truck, or SUV, and less repair bills, plus free oil changes, free tire rotations, and free roadside assistance. Just call 800-392-8795 now. Protect your car and your wallet. Call 800-392-8795. Paid for by Protect My Car. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary. Good evening, Detroit Lakes. This is the Vikings Territory Breakdown. I am your host, Joe Johnson, owner of VikingsTerritory.com, PurplePTSD.com, our brand new Minnesota Wild website, MiniIce.com, and soon to be our rebranded, uh, all-encompassing Minnesota sports site, app, network, UFTA. Oofta Sports, so uh, keep an eye out for that. The app is officially being built right now, so we're all very excited about that. I'm sure uh, Mr. Joe Oberly is sick of hearing about it. It's been a four-year <laughs> four-year kick-the-can-down-the-road situation. Uh, but, yeah, as always, I'm joined by Mr. Joe Oberly. How you doing, man? Good. I think you should put super in front of whatever you name now, just like they did for the wild card weekend. It's a super wild card weekend, and it was just super this weekend. So it was I mean, a, that 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 will sell it for you. Just put super in front of it. And you just super gotta say, Viking. You gotta yeah. you gotta believe it when you say it, right? So it's <laughs> super oofta. Oof uh, there you go. We 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 allowed uh, Mr. Coach Tice to take a a short off season break. Um, I I have a slight feeling he just didn't want to pick a lot of these games uh, for, in the playoffs. There's there's just too much uh, parody going on. Uh, but replacing him today is somebody that I'm incredibly honored and excited to have on this show. Uh, but also to uh, have joined the Oofta Sports Network, and that's. Somebody that uh, people in, in Detroit Lakes and, and in the five-state region, I think, are very familiar with, Mr. Tim McNiff. How are you, man? It's an honor to be here. I'm sure people hearing that are just going, who? Wait, <laughs> what happened What happened to that guy? <laughs> That's not true. That's not he true. Lived. We all know your name very well and your voice. It's that, nice to voice. hear it on. Yeah, well, it's nice to be up in the area, man. We gotta, you know. So if there's ever a, a reason or an excuse to do the show on site, anytime between what should we say, late June and uh, late August, I'm there, brothers. Ooh, <laughs> I've, I've said, you know, why don't we? Uh, you know, I, I I've warned people in Detroit Lakes that there's the smallest amount of celebrities going to go to someone's head faster and, and more disproportionately the second I go up there and try to get my 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 food comped or something it's just it's coming maybe i'll get a uh, look for a deal on a just uh, on a used car or something but we definitely should go up to detroit lakes and, and do a, a an in-person show uh i got i've got uh, my wife's family's from up in the area manoma and Wabin, which is just north of detroit lakes and we go up there every memorial so 
you know, we can put that one on the schedule. Come on up, come on up and sit on the lake somewhere. No. Yeah, and if there's any, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> <laughs> if there's any um, post, if once we get past COVID, if there's any uh, businesses up in in the area that would like to host an in-person podcast uh, festival oh get together, let us know. You can always uh, message us on social media. Uh, but Tim is is joining the UFTA network. Uh, we'll be wearing a lot of hats. You know, there's something that I've I've had. You know, we we've done a little bit. We we've dipped our toes into the video the video uh, realm of covering the team, um, and it's something that I I really thought that if we if we focus on it now that the UFTA app is being built in 2021, we should do it the right way. We should do it in a way that you know even if you know we are opening a video studio but even if we're doing things from home they don't necessarily need to have the production uh, quality of uh, you know a cell phone video from the Obama administration and so having you on board for that and, and the different uh, shows that you and I have discussed um, you, the written content you're going to be doing all of it we're just incredibly incredibly excited to have you on board and I think people are going to be just amazed at some of the stuff that you and I have uh and I, I say you and I just to take a little bit of credit that we've whipped up uh, as potential uh, shows and, and content ideas. But uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, you you are an idea master. And I'm connecting you with Joe Oberly, who is the nickname master. So I feel like I'm creating a, a monster here. Well, Tim and, I, Tim and I decided we were going to change his name to Joe. Right, right Tim? That's true. Yeah, just confusing. It's just, it's just easier. It's for for continuity. But you know, when I have people on the show who who um, people maybe haven't heard from in a little while, or at least haven't heard from on our network before, I like to get a baseline as to where they're at because I have a feeling that you're going to be on the show a lot uh, moving forward. Um, just in general, as to what <clears throat> your thoughts are on key Vikings narratives that we're all probably very sick of talking about and hearing. Uh, about as well um, but you know what where are your thoughts on like your assessment of the the Vikings as they stand uh, after the the 2020 season do you feel that that they're a team that you know uh, had some injuries but have a lot of potential or um, you know are you excited for 2021 or do you think that we're in for another rough year well if, if I could I'm just going to take another step back probably two steps back just to give people out there who don't know who I am. And that's, that's fine. Um, so I'm a white bear Lake guy. So the first game I remember watching was the 1970 super bowl Vikings and the Kansas city chiefs. And my dad was not a huge sports guy. My dad was, you know, from the depression via world war two and had been transferred from New York to Minnesota, which my mother said it wasn't the end of the world, but we could see it from there. <laughs> So, so my parents were like, like, and so my dad looked at this as a way to sort of fit in a little bit. And I had two older brothers who had no interest in sports at all. So he started watching for whatever reason, the Super Bowl, and I'm watching with him. And I kept asking him the same question over and over and over again, dad, can our team be the red team? Because <laughs> the Vikings got their butts kicked. And of course, here was 50 plus years of pain, you know, just opening the door to that. So I saw all four Super Bowl losses. Grew up, I went to the, uh, at one point I went to the Tommy Kramer, Ahmad Rashad football camp. Wow. And and then years you know go by and I have an internship at CARE 11. I, I 
go out in the world. I have a job up in Duluth. I work down in La Crosse, Wisconsin, where I actually covered the Green Bay Packers for three years wow. and hosted Packers shows and all the I rest of that. I didn't know went, that. That changes went everything. Went down to... Listen to this. Then I went down to Dallas. I went down to Waco, actually, was there for the David Koresh standoff, was there for 11 months, saw the Cowboys win a Super Bowl, and then covered them the next year. So I was there for that circus of Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, and Michael Irvin. So that was special. And then I came back, and suddenly here I am covering the Minnesota Vikings. And I covered the Vikings for about 11 years uh, with care 11 went on the road with the team covered them had one of them try to beat my living daylights out of me in the locker room only prevented by other viking players um so my relationship with this team goes back a long ways so where where we are right now we are in typical classic minnesota viking territory we don't know (laughs) where we are or what we have Am I right? <laughs> That's a man spoken like a man that knows. Uh, well, it's good to hear. I, I, I watched that game, that first Super Bowl too, uh, Tim, and um, uh, all four of them have been involved with it forever. But uh, you've seen it up close and personal, and I and I, I'd be really curious to know like what are some of the most memorable times of your covering the team. You know, it sounds like you just touched on one. I'd like to hear more about uh, the standoff in the locker room. But uh, I, uh, I guess I, I I'd be uh, Interested to hear like, what what are the touchstones for you for uh, covering this franchise over that decade? Yeah, you know, it was I was there for '98. You know, and, and and honestly, I was one of those people that was not crushed when they lost to Atlanta because I was watching the injury toll. You know, um, ring up. You know, John Randall. I knew his yeah. knee was such shot. a good point. And, and such a yeah, good. Eddie McDaniel was was hurt. I don't know if Eddie Mack plays in that game. Yep. Everyone's got this whole this mythology of if they win that game, they beat Denver. Yeah. And and I, I'm like, we go there and we lose a fifth Super Bowl. So yeah. to not have to deal with that, <laughs> I was like, I'm it's good. It's the same brother. thing with 2009 though, because Favre was beat up months later. Um, uh, Cedric Griffin got uh, to think towards ACL, so we would have yeah. been going against Peyton Manning with limited help in the secondary. Uh, Favre, we would have had Tavares Jackson playing in the Super Bowl. So I always, I always think it. I have always said the same thing about 2009. Favre would have played. I think so too. And yeah. but here's what it sure sticks with me at that game. And tell me if you've ever heard this take before. Um, Here's why the Vikings deserved whatever they got in New Orleans, because the Saints, the Saints were obviously targeting Brett Favre. Mm -hmm. It was obvious and they were getting away with it. So if I'm coach of the Minnesota Vikings, not offensive line coach, I'm head coach. I call my offense over there and I say this, okay, the next guy who lays a hand on Brett Favre, all 10 of you guys attack him. Yeah. I want fist flying. I want kicking. I want everything. I, I want helmets off. I want everything. Just go. Cause this you're, you're under attack. He's under attack. The referees aren't doing anything about it. Take matters into your own hand. They can only find us 15 yards, but you send a message to the saints that this will not go on. That's and they never point. did it. No, yeah, no, they did. They, did they, 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 they just took it. They just took it far went over the sideline shoot me up or whatever, get, got back out there and, and got some more. Yeah. It, it was, uh, it was, it was so obvious to everybody that watched it. And, uh, yeah, I, I, there should have been a response. You're exactly right, Tim. There was a point. You, you, well, I did. A, just I'm sorry, Joe. Thing. 
uh, Sean Payton said something a few months ago, kind of trying to do this revisionist history as as to bemoaning uh, his suspension. And so I went through that game and I took a gif of every single targeted hit on Favre. And, and the thing that stood out to me that I didn't remember was the amount of times that the camera panned to Favre's wife in the crowd and to get her her horrified reaction to what was going on. And that's that said it all to me, that that was the case, that that's what the NFL had. I know they really wanted the Saints to be in the Super Bowl because it was a feel-good story post-Katrina, but it was essentially Conspiracy, like... Conspiracy, huh? Mm. I've always thought there was a little bit of that there. Uh, maybe not consciously, but subconsciously, because I'm not one of those guys that thinks you can coordinate something on that level with that many vari- as many variables that go into this league, but um, the this her expression in watching that, like watching a gladiator uh, die in the ring or something, was astounding, and I think you're right. I think that we've had a lot of players, Joe and I, that we've talked to from that team, and we've said, was there a palpable feeling on the sidelines that something weird was going on, and they've all said, yeah. Um, so it's, it's very strange that they didn't do that, uh, in retrospect. I haven't heard that take, but I completely agree with it. It's 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 honestly, you guys, it's why we are where we are as a franchise. When we were kids, Joe Overly, if you if you're old enough to have watched that, the Vikings had an identity, and we actually yes. took it from the Green Bay Packers. We owned the cold. We were the rulers of the North, Absolutely. and you'd be like. The Rams would come with like a twelve and three record, and we had like an eleven and four record, whatever it was. We had fourteen games back then, ten and four and eleven and three. Or, or they had to come to our place, and you'd just laugh. You'd just go, they, "Yeah, they aren't beating us here." And they probably had more talented teams, and the Vikings would find a way to win. But we were sort of built. We built up this reputation in the nineteen sixties for this ferocious defense. We were the purple people eaters, and they've let that go. And if if you've got if you're going to be in a sport that requires you to be physical, you better be the biggest bear, you know, in in the neighborhood. And you know, apologies to the Chicago Bears, but I mean the Vikings don't have that identity. I, I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers continued through now three coaches of of you know always in the playoffs because they're essentially the same team year after year, coach after coach. You know, mm-hmm. they are built on defense and physical. They're Pittsburgh. They're hard nose. And and we have to reestablish, establish an identity. And yeah. and if if you wanna I, you know, if you wanna build an identity, you could I'm not saying to do this, but you could trade like every valuable offensive guy right now and just bring back somebody, you know, brutally good on defense and just become the Baltimore Ravens that won the Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer at quarterback because it can be done. You know, it it seemed like uh, Zimmer was kind of headed in that direction when he first got here. The defense really needed to be built back up because it was one of the worst in the leagues. And he set out to do that. And you know, to the detriment of the offense, I think, in the offensive line. And, and that's where the team lack. Now we've kind of uh, spent some time building up that offense with the, you know, uh, not the offensive line completely, but certainly, you know, getting good position players in the, at receiver and running back and tight end, what have you. And the defense has now suffered as a result. So it, I think it's so tough each year to 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 have that full complement out there that 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 gets you across the line and when you do have when you do have close to that you've got to get it done because you know and I know Joe put this on the agenda because once you do then the other teams come in and start picking your team and your your front office staff apart and then, yeah. you know so if, if you don't get it done that year when you do have that magical 
you know, both sides being really good. I mean, even that 98 team that uh, you make such a great point, Tim, uh, people don't remember that. I, I, I do, you know, those guys got beat up and the defense wasn't that tough to begin with. I, I agree that they might've lost, but you know, they were close to that magic where they had a really great offense and a pretty darn good defense, you know? So, I mean, I think that's what you need. And I, uh, right now, I'm not sure. We, we've got the good offense, but the defense is really lacking. You know, I remember after the, uh, I think it was the week four Bears game uh, in the 2019 season, the one where both Thielen and Diggs were angry, and they, uh, at least Thielen went on the apology tour. Uh, I remember writing or it's, uh, saying this somewhere. I don't know if it was on air or in an article, but I, I don't remember a, a defense that Zimmers had <clears throat> since he came here uh, in 2014 that is has been as intimidating mean uh all-encompassing so on and so forth as that bears defense was with cleo mack in that game I, I you know i don't they've had some flashy numbers they've been good on third down but they don't ever feel like they have that edge or that identity that you're yeah. talking about tim that you know yep. especially in big games you know i've always said they need a, a, a you know it's changed from uh, needing a good, you know, for a while it was we. If we can get an offense that can score 20 points with Zimmer's defense, we'll we'll win a championship. Then it became we need a, a great offense. Now it's sort of like well, we need an elite offense for obvious reasons. I think it'll be a little different in 2021 because we'll get some of the core guys back from from injury. Um, Daniel Hunter, uh, which we'll talk about his contract uh, a little bit later in the show. Um, but I just I'm not a huge. I I don't have a lot of faith that Zimmer is his defense is, is going to, to get us over the hump without some sort of new offensive-minded young guy that can come in and, and take the pieces that Joe alluded to and bring them to that next level where they can score, you know, 30, 34 points a game like the Packers or the, the Chiefs or something. Yeah, I, I just, um, I, you know, you get into a lot. We start peeling layers off the onion. Because now if we're getting into it, if you're bringing in another offensive coordinator, would that be the sixth one for Kirk Cousins? Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you know. So, so I mean, do you keep doing that to him? We all want him to be better. It'd be nice to have the same guy in the room. What really befuddled me about this year's Viking offense was when Ezra Cleveland got in, we were better. And the offensive line was better than it had been the year before, but that's mm -hmm. not really saying much. You know, it's like being the tallest kid in fifth grade. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, it's just not that big a deal, big grand scheme of things. Um, so we we got away from what had been successful for Denver when Kubiak was there and what had been successful for the Vikings of the past. And that was play action. I mean, I would just say to my wife, literally, I would just say, let's see the formation. And, and, and if he was under center, Kirk, or if he was in the shotgun, I, I would just say, oh, this, this is there. And this would be I would. You know, this is the analytics guys. Um, you know, what was their success rate when running out of those formations? If, if he went, you know, with an empty backfield, I, I just was like, this is not going to work or it's not going to end well. Because nobody, the only thing we had was the threat of the run. And Kirk Cousins throws better on the move than he does from the pocket. Yeah. Why were they not using play action? Did they feel like every team was onto that? Had they made adjustments? I don't know because it even goes into like, if you look at the national championship game on Monday night, between Ohio state and Alabama, you have Justin Fields showing up there at that. They called it a hip pointer, but he was injured and he wasn't a threat to run the ball at all. So he have Ohio state trying to show play action and, and Alabama paid zero attention to Justin Fields and just keyed on the ball carrier, you know, or else just you know, went after the pass rush because they had no threat of him as a runner at all. 
because it, you know, he was limited. So I just don't know why the Vikings kind of did what they did. I, I think, you know, the numbers are good enough that they should be able to win with a decent defense. I thought they were last year with the, with the incredibly poor offensive line that they had, mm-hmm. but you know, we can't, if you bring in another offensive coordinator, you're still limited on what you can do because the Minnesota Vikings have not drafted offensive linemen who at the end of the day can put their hand on the ground and move the other guy across the line of scrimmage from them. They don't have that offensive lineman. You know, I, it, it's an interesting point, and I and I was kind of frustrated too. I, I had been Joel know that I've been called for getting Kirk out of the pocket, you know, for for a couple of years now, and and I wonder sometimes if coaches kind of overthink some of this stuff, and you know, they're always trying to, you know, whether it's analytics or whether it's you know, we have to surprise them, even though our strength is to do this, we have to surprise them. I tried to get uh, Mike Tice to co- talk a little bit about some of the adjustments coaches make either at half times or how they come into games and if they have something else in mind because it sometimes they seem to to overthink and take themselves right out like look at the Seattle game you know where it's uh where they went for it on fourth and one which they should have and you know uh, I don't know there you have to certainly tip your hat to the fact that there's pressure in these moments and you might not always make the right decisions but far too often I think you know sometimes we try to get too fancy when when something else, you know, when, when run to your strength and, and do that and that, that you'll succeed better well, that way. And but. you could argue, too, that that's what happened in the NFC Championship game in 2017. I mean, and Zimmer came out and said that he tried to implement this, this uh, right. new wrinkles to that defense and it just confused everybody. You know, I'll never forget seeing Harrison Smith after one of the multiple just wide open gains that they had in the second half down the field throw his arms up like, I don't know what's going on. And if he doesn't know... Yeah. You're in trouble. And then in 2018, the beginning of that season, the defense was, again, overly complicated. And I think that that goes back to Tim's original point, which is identity. And at some point, to win a championship, you're you're, you're going to have to do what you're good at better than what the other team does to stop that. Yep. Um, you can't really trick people, you know, and I think that that's a, a really good way to explain the Zimmer era, uh, to be completely honest with you. Um, and, and, and so I agree with you. I, I, you know, if, if Kubiak is gone, I would like for Clint Kubiak to get the job. Um, Agreed. Just because, you know, looking at Hugh Jackson, it would be, you know, he, uh, looking at his time in, in Oakland, you know, he, he instituted, he changed them from a zone blocking team into more of a, um, uh, uh, the type of offensive line that we're talking about. And I would prefer to get away from zone blocking to be completely honest with you, but I feel like they've, they've put together they built all these, a team around it. Exactly. Yeah. And they have all these players. So what are they going to, we're going to wait six, seven years for them to draft the right guys for that scheme. Like I'm just basically taking the lesser of two evils at this point. Because uh, they don't have the personnel to do that, and I think that they've done a, a, a. Joe knew this was coming, but it's been a disservice to Cousins because there's been far too much change. You know, I I I'm starting to think he's the most underappreciated or the most disrespected good quarterback uh, in league history. I mean, the Everson Griffin stuff this week, mental health notwithstanding, it's just like every week just somebody bashing history, this guy. Though? Just, just in league in, history, just, not all, not every sport, <laughs> just this one for now. Joe, um, Joe's a big, big fan of Kirk Cousins. He's a big, big 10 guy. And, uh, he, he's, he's been behind Kirk from day one. And I, am not against Kirk, but I, I feel like, that, uh, we know who Kirk is and, and he's, he's very, he's a, he's a above average, very decent, he's a decent quarterback and 
He's going to do some things for you that are phenomenal, and he's going to do some things that aren't. And I'm not sure if he's the guy to get you over the ultimate playoff hump to the promised land, but uh, he's he's our guy right now, so that's that's who you ride with. What what are your thoughts on him, Tim? Yeah, I just think that you know, I can sum it up with one sentence. He's no Joe Montana. <laughs> you know, my, Joe Montana was not the most skilled guy in, in the whole world, was uh, probably an underrated athlete you know, as far as, as quarterbacks go, but I mean, the guy took some brutal hits. If you go back and look at some of the games and some of the stuff, the New York giants put on him and the Chicago bears and other teams, cause they knew if we're going to beat San Francisco. We got to take out Joe Montana. He stood in there and he took the hits. Even when he went to Kansas city, he was still able to do that. Kirk just does not handle the pocket well. Yeah. And it, it's, it's sort of like what that, pocket? you know, the old thing. Well, 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 if it, well, I mean, but he doesn't handle pressure. Well, let's put it that way. Look at his record in noon starts versus 3 PM versus 7 PM games. The guy just, he, he doesn't, you know, handle downtime or, or that pressure situation, the spotlight well, and he's too old to still be in that category. I mean, he's, he's, you know, at some point in time, and I, I, with all the stuff about, you know, the offensive line hasn't been great. In some cases, you know, the receiving position has been in flux, but to watch him lock in on receivers and make the same mistakes or watch him just sort of like shut down in the middle of a play when you, the action's happening all around him, he's not that guy. And, and so things have been done in this organization that, you know, he, he is our quarterback and can't, could they win a Super Bowl with them, with him? Yes. If everybody else, you know, was at a level where they could, take that pressure off him. It, it, yes, he could get it done, yeah, but um, yeah. he's not, he's not, he's not my, my franchise ideal franchise quarterback. So I, I, two things. Uh, one is um, I, I, I've never said he's perfect. I think the, in, in regards to the disservice thing, I think that he has pretty obvious negatives that most people that follow the, the, uh, the NFL were aware of when he came here. I think the disservice that the team has done to him and him and itself is not put itself in the best position to mitigate those negatives. Uh, they've almost exacerbated them. Um, the consistent change, the lack of investment on the interior of the offensive line. You know, if you know a guy that is bad under pressure, um, maybe help mitigate that pressure you know it just seems like they haven't done a lot to do that and 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 the play calling is another angle of that secondly a story my dad's always told me about joe montana is during that uh legendary drive against the Bengals. everyone you know uh one of the offensive linemen or something told this story everyone's super nervous uh there's all this pressure and and montana's in the huddle and just nonchalantly calmly goes hey that's uh John john candy john candy yeah sitting uh he was just so calm that he was like hey that's kind of cool john candy's here uh the actor for younger people that have no idea what i'm talking about um and so that's something that i think you know cousins is is probably uh you know that he's got the label of being over prepared and when you do that sometimes i think the reason and we've all talked joe and i've talked about this and tim you and i talked about this on the phone um the reason that he does better when he's running is that I think it it shuts off that extra layer of conscious thought. It just it's just more uh, instinct because he's focusing on on running and not necessarily doing the perfect throw. Um, that having been said, again, I think that the, the he can 
there's a lot of problems with this team. I don't think he was one of them in, in 2019. I also think we'll all agree uh, that the all this talk of bringing Deshaun Watson to Minnesota is a complete non-starter. It's unrealistic. They could never afford him. His contract is going to be monumental. It might not be the Patrick Mahomesian, but it'll be pretty darn close. I think he's like the consensus third or fourth best quarterback in the NFL. Uh, I would say Cousins is, is, is 1A. I'm kidding. Um, but... Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on all this hullabaloo around uh, Watson, Mr. McNiff? Um, yeah, no, I don't think it's realistic for the Vikings. I, I remember watching his junior year in the national championship game against uh, Alabama, and they lost. And, and, I, and I talked to my wife, and I said, if I'm the Vikings general manager, I am doing everything I can to bring that guy onto my team. You know, after his senior year, I mean, that's the guy I want because because he showed he did everything in that game to win that game. He carried Mm -hmm. Clemson on his back and in large extent, you know, they built that program on his arm and legs. Um, So I I am a fan. But if now if you're talking about, okay, if we send him Daniel Hunter and this and this, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So if Daniil Hunter does come back and he's healthy, and if Michael Pierce is ready to come in and play, we've solved two major problems on our mm-hmm. defense. You know, and, and if if Anthony Barr comes back, and I'm not sure he should, or I'm not, you know, Anthony Barr is one of those guys where I think if I sat there and watched the 11-on-11 11 11 all the time, I'd probably appreciate him more than I do. But the problem is you watch a game on TV and you don't know where he is for yeah. much of three hours. Yeah. Um, so we, we got, you know, we got two corners, maybe three in this last year's draft and they're young and, and, and hopefully that they'll be a little bit better next year. We have one safety heading in the twilight of his career. The other one's probably not going to be back after what he did on the field this past year. I don't think they'll give him the money that would keep him. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but obviously we just saw too what, what Eric Kendricks means to this defense and nobody goes on forever. You know what I mean? You can't right. feel pegged around one guy. So, uh, the Vikings could, a lot of their defensive problems could be solved with, with Pierce and, 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 um, Daniel Hunter coming back, but he can't be part of a trade that just gets you that quarterback because you haven't addressed all of the other issues. Your offensive line still in question. Your defense is still bad. I mean, there's too many things that need to be answered to fix this football team to focus on Deshaun Watson. If for me, it's a non-starter, Joe. I mean, all you have to do is look at who's running the team. And do you think in any, <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination that Mike Zimmer would ever trade away Daniel Hunter? No. Uh, and make this Unless trade. So there's some untenable situation with his contract or his um, injury or his yes. injury, but, then but he I, wouldn't I, pass I don't a physical that. anyway. So right. He's coming right back. Yeah. yeah. So no, no, I mean, Zimmer's Zimmer had to withstand this year, seeing his defense uh, play the way it did, especially down the stretch and causing him to utter some things that I, I don't, I'm not sure he should have. And so, you know, he's going to be, He's going to be chomping at the bit to rebuild that thing, and you know, unfortunately, the first draft pick he needs this year is a is a, a left guard, and I hope he doesn't uh, go for a three tech. I know you put that on the agenda, Joe, but yeah. uh, until until uh, the other night, I was hoping that Wyatt Davis was coming here, but now have, have we even heard how bad his knee injury is? Do we know that yet? Well, let's just say I don't um, know how. Bad. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. I can look it up on the fly, um, but I mean that might. If it's not too bad, that might help uh, the Vikings. Yeah, but could, 
He could drop, yeah. Of course, the Vikings don't have a second round pick, so you never know yeah, but then, what's going to happen. Could well, we have, well, we have four, yeah, we have fourteen seventh rounders, so maybe we could pack <laughs> eight and get back into the second round. Uh, Spielman's uh, like in fantasy is just every seventh round pick, no other picks. Um, you, you know, I think that um, the my my philosophy with free agency versus the draft is the reason you know uh, that, that uh, Shelby is on the agenda is because I like the idea of adding somebody like that, uh, like Shelby Harris, to uh, via free agency and limiting the amount of needs on defense before the draft because we know Zimmer is going to do his best to convince Spielman to prioritize the defense. And, and obviously this defensive line is one that they've really wanted to invest in heavily. You know, they always want to have not just four uh, starters, but really good backups. They do the whole rotation bit. Um, and so hopefully, you know, with, with Pierce coming back, who a lot of people were bullish on before the season, Hunter, uh, if they could get a guy like Shelby Harris, who wouldn't necessarily bring bake, break the bank from my understanding of the situation, that would uh, open up things for for Wyatt Davis, depending on what's going on with his with his knee, because he yeah. seems like the type of guy that they could plug in and play for the next decade plus, and that's right. really what they need. I mean, I've gotten some conflicting sort of stories from people, uh, former Minnesota Vikings offensive linemen, as in in regards to like Bradbury's play, um, really how the defense plays as a, or the offensive line plays as a unit, uh, so on and so forth. I'm writing an article about that right now, actually, but um, I think that would be the best way to, to improve their chances of winning. If there's one draft pick they could make, it would be that pick that I think would drastically improve their, their chances of winning. Just, you know, there's a lot of guys that are going to be healthy on the defense next year. I think that will help um, as well. Um, but I wanted to get you guys' take on the, um, all pro selections, namely the the omission of Delvin Cook, who came out and, and essentially said on his Instagram, and I'll read the quote. I was uh, I wasn't going to I'm paraphrasing, but I wasn't going to speak on on this, but uh, blame the NFL whoever printed the All Pro list um, for what's about to happen this year in 2021. So it sounds like he's got a little bit of a a, a chip on hmm. his shoulder for not being named. Um, as an all pro, which seems like a pretty big omission, right? I mean, Alvin Kamara had a year. Obviously, Derrick Henry, Henry is Derrick Henry, but how do you keep him off that list, Tim? You don't. I mean, that, that, that's a horrific overslight, and, and somebody really messed up on that. And I, you know, the Vikings weren't that bad where you can just say, well, flush the entire season. You know, there, there's nobody worth value. I mean, Justin Jefferson showed that, that that's not right. And everything was predicated, the Vikings' entire offense was predicated on Dalvin Cook. And the thing that really, really bothers me about it, too, is, and, I, and I'd love to have Alvin Kamara on my team, but, but Dalvin Cook is a complete football player i mean he is very good at pass pro and it's it's not it's not teddy bridgewater turning around right at the line of scrimmage and looking at adrian peterson and saying you have to block 57 he's coming from over there because adrian peterson did not figure out for the life of him what his pass pro responsibilities were and and so delvin cook it's an injustice but honestly when when you read that quote from a coaching standpoint, I would say beautiful. Right. And now I know he'll, yeah. he'll be that much more inspired at his workouts and that much more inspired. And he took on a leadership role with this team this year too. He was a leader, you know, in the, in the locker room and at practice. And, and I think that that's really the maturation uh, when they, when they drafted him, 
you know, I wasn't sure. I had not seen enough of them, and, and I didn't know. But but no, that was a very good pick from a character standpoint and obviously from a talent standpoint. So I don't really worry about, I mean, at the end of the year, all the individual stuff, bah, win a championship. Yeah. That's a guy who can help you win a championship. Big time. You know, I, the only thing I'll say is uh, I agree with everything you said, but uh, six touchdowns in a game when uh, when Delvin wasn't there is is tough to overlook when when all of a sudden you're casting your ballot. But it could have been you know. seven too, very easily. Yeah. I think there was that Taysom Hill run in, um, but you know I agree with with what you're saying, Tim. I mean, if if he was very committed this past off season to making it the full stretch of games. Uh, he wanted his body to, to hold up to, to all the touches that they have. And I think if the Vikings would have pulled off uh, a comeback and made the playoffs, he would have been a lot higher in the MVP rankings as well. Because as we saw earlier in the year and even in the last game, even though uh, Madison had a better uh, final game than he did the, the game earlier in the season that, that Dalvin missed, this offense can't really function without him. Um, and that's a little scary. You know, I, I'm a little wary of all the touches that he's gotten. Um, I think they can mitigate that a little bit. You know, I think that there's enough talent elsewhere on this offense if they kind of take the the risk-averse. You know, Zimmer's so risk-averse that he almost increases the risk in a weird, ironic way. I mean, he just when, – when, when you have this offense where you want these long, drawn-out, 10-play drives, you really increase – the emphasis on scoring a touchdown on every single drive. And then sometimes you have to push it or you, you have this amazing time of possession, uh, dis- disproportionate time of possession like they did against the Bucks, but you end up not leading in that game because of that reason. Um, and so, you know, I, I would love to see whoever comes in as the offensive coordinator for them to, to, to trust Cousins, who isn't very turnover prone outside of that stretch earlier in this season. I mean, he had six last year. I think he had two after the bye and like 23 touchdowns. Justin Jefferson, you can – every level of the field, you can get him the ball. Adam Thielen, all he does is catch touchdowns. He's It's very Carter Moss-esque. Um and, and, and not really focus on giving Dalvin the ball, the ball 38, 39 times. Maybe you can do 15 to 20, keep him healthier, and uh, also you know be one of the more explosive offenses. There's really no reason why this offense isn't a, a, more of a, a top unit outside of by design. And I think that uh, that's something that needs to change. I don't I don't necessarily think it will. But uh, what are your what's your take on as a guy who was there in '98? Tim, what's your take on, on what you see from Jefferson? You know, he gets compared to Moss a lot, which I don't think is a fair comparison for anybody. I think he's carving out his own role, obviously. Uh, but uh, you're, you obviously like what you see in that guy. Well, I'll tell you a story from that year, because we'd all heard, you know, horror stories about Randy Moss from a personnel, uh, personality standpoint. And so he came in and he had, uh, you know, obviously there was a um, – a PR firm that had been hired to sort of, you know, work with him. And, and so after games, there was always like a guy with a jacket and tie and you'd ask him for a soundbite and he'd kind of like wanted to say no. And suit guy would like look at him and nod his head, you know, and he would like give you the soundbite. He didn't at Dallas. Everybody forgets about that. You know, he had that big game against Dallas. He didn't come out and he didn't say a word. And, and, um, so at the end of the year, when, when they lost, it, 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 I was cleaning out their locker room or whatever, but I made a point of going up to him and saying, 
Hey, Randy, I just want to say it was a pleasure to work with you this year. You know, I, I'm really thrilled that, uh, you know, you, you're with the Vikings and I really look forward to seeing what you had next year. And, and, and thanks for being, you know, such a professional about the whole thing. And he kind of gave kind of a reluctant, oh, yeah, great. You know, and he was out of there. He showed up that next year and it was a completely different guy. Wow. He, he he wouldn't run routes. I mean, they only let us watch the first eight minutes of practice, so I can't speak for what he did. And his teammates didn't say bad things about him, but I'm telling you, the, the effort that we saw in the first eight minutes, year two versus year one, and the yapping and all the rest of it, I was like, oh, I don't think this is a positive development. And and really, the circus was open from that point on. You know, now we were dragging traffic cops, and we're putting down the people that bring the food, and we're, you know, getting in scrapes with, you know, the, the league, you know, and so always a great talent, but the old day I play when I want to play, you know, that, that sort of thing. What if Justin Jefferson does that? I mean, <laughs> I don't, I don't know this kid from anything, but everyone says he's got a great attitude, but you know, is he going to be content in the way he was used this year? Will he, you know, it's all to me, it's already, he's number one and Adam Thielen is two, mm-hmm. but does Kirk Cousins know that? I mean, in week three, don't you remember about week three this year, just going Does this, does this team remember that they drafted a receiver out of LSU yeah and and he he was not even how could you go through camp I know they didn't have the opportunity to have mini camps and all the rest of that but how could they go through their camp and not have him more ready to go or cousins more ready on the same page with him in week one that is beyond me and again, I remember that goes back being to on Sansevier's show and saying uh clearly something's wrong because other teams don't use a first round pick on a wide receiver need that guy to replace <laughs> a guy like Diggs and then don't have him even as he's barely third on the depth chart he's nowhere to be found there's clearly something wrong he must not be acclimating to press coverage well you know because obviously he ran out of the slot a lot his senior season and he just ran free I was convinced that something was wrong just because it just seemed that way so it was such a a glaring oversight to to your isn't that that Zimmer though isn't that Zimmer wow his reluctance to play rookies right out of the gate I would say that's a large part of it yeah uh, it, it's, you know, and I know that's more with uh, defensive backs because the system is so difficult, but uh, I think there is that bias there. And, they, you know, like you said, they needed him and they found out how professional he acted in practice. I mean, he was great route runner. He was he was doing what he was supposed to do. And and uh, I think he probably caught up to speed quicker than they anticipated. And they, they realized they had to get him in, in there and get him the ball. So so glad they did. He's heck, he's he's great fun to watch. There's no two ways about it. Let me just ask you this. Do you think whoever drafts Devontae Smith will wait until week three to integrate him <laughs> into the offense? Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And to, I'd to love your, the Vikings to do. And to your guys, yeah. you know, if you, if, if you extrapolate Je- Jefferson's numbers out over the amount of uh, catches that Diggs had, he would be the first 2,000-yard uh, receiver in, in league history. Um, and so I, 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 don't, I don't think he'll be happy with – you know, 70 catches uh, in 2021 because he's shown the ability to, to make catches basically uh, every time you, you look his way. I mean, that's I'm being hyperbolic, but you get what I, I mean. The, the amount of catches he makes, the types of catches at every level over the top of guys, contested catches, yards after the catch. He does everything really, really well, and, and he's only going to get better. Um, and so, I, I, you know, again, I really hope that, you know, we don't have to implement a completely new system on offense because that will just stifle things. I think this, if there's one positive to the 2020 season, it is that offensive unit. Um, you know, the offensive line 
got better. Again, Tim, you're completely right. They were the 27th ranked unit against the, the run in 2019, so anything in, it, uh, would be an improvement over that. Uh, and that was an improvement over 2018. So, um, But I, I, I think that they need to modernize this offense. I really That doesn't mean they have to stop doing uh, things uh, through play action or what have you, but they really need to to stop being so risk averse. Uh, you know, they can put up points. They've shown that. You know, they I think they were like thirtieth in in pass attempts, but top ten in pass touchdowns. Uh, they had a ton of twenty five yard or long or, or longer uh, plays, chunk yardage, so on and so forth. Just go for it. Why pay a quarterback that kind of money? Why have all this talent if you're really just going to run this old school, just dink and dunk? It just, I, it bothers me. And it's, it's not even a, really a power run game. It's, it's, it's sort of a, a spread offense, sort of offensive line. It's just a weird mix of things that, that needed to be. I can't complain about the offense that much this year. As opposed to what we've seen in the past few years, it's it's an improvement. It was fun to watch, and and hopefully you have uh, Harmony back there. you got to remember that Moss came into a team that had Chris Carter on it, so these, these receivers and their quarterbacks have to figure it out, how to play together and, and grow the offense. And, and you got a great back in Dalvin Cook. I, you're going to be fine, but it's, it's a matter of getting the defense squared away. And special teams. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that was a dumpster fire, right? Yeah. Yes, it was. I think we can agree that the biggest offseason need for special teams is obviously a new coordinator. Um, we know we've already kind of touched on 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 the biggest offseason needs um, in general. So I, you know, that was on the agenda. Defense, obviously, we shoring up the the defensive line, maybe figuring out a replacement for Anthony Harris. Um, I'm actually really interested um, in your take tim uh, speaking of getting a baseline on things on on the divisional round of the playoffs i mean every one of these games is really really interesting and 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 you know i think this season i don't know if it was COVID or what but there just seems to be my my guess is out the window as to who's going to be in the super bowl i mean if, if you put a gun to my head i would i would most likely say uh green bay ugh, and and Kansas City, um, but they're going up against a really uh, tough Rams defense this weekend. Uh, the Saints in Tampa, that's a divisional game. Who knows? Uh, Cleveland uh, utterly destroyed the Steelers, who were falling apart, but that still says something. Buffalo and Baltimore will be a great game. Um, where do you stand on, on on that? On Who's your favorite coming out of the NFC and out of the AFC, if you have one? Yeah, you know, it's good. Weird, but the the game that I enjoyed the most this past weekend was the one I really didn't want even to take place because I really like Buffalo and I really like Indianapolis. And I was really mm. sorry to see that one of those teams had to go out in the first round because I like the way the Colts are put together. And supposedly the Colts are like, I don't know if it's accurate, but I mean, ridiculously below the cap going into next year. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm really interested to see what they're able to do because I love the way that football team is constructed minus the you know the quarterback who's 800 years old and has never won a ring so they've, they've got to answer that question and they could what if deshaun watson you know ends up in uh, indianapolis oh my really good point that would be scary what do you like about so, them particularly i love the way they're built because i love the fact that you know they, they've got so many number ones on their offensive line and again i kind of alluded to this earlier you guys and and i was lucky enough to spend 11 years coaching at the high school football level and um you learn something 
and it, at some point in time in most games, your guys have to be able to put their hand on the ground. They've got to be able to move the other guys. And you can be like the best position coach in the world, but if you don't have guys who can do the job in the trenches, you don't have a lot. It's 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 not building. And I love. I think the Colts are built on a great foundation. I think I think Buffalo is drafted well. I love their head coach. So I I think the Bills are are really interesting to me and dangerous. But you know what they have Cleveland. Uh no, the, Cleveland's going to KC. Yeah, Cleveland's the, going to KC. The Bills yeah. have Baltimore. So I think I think that's a that's a huge threat for Buffalo. Forgive me for that, because yeah, because I think Baltimore is dangerous. I, mm-hmm. I don't think they're 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 a perfect team by any means, but uh, they're dangerous. So I think that's a that's a game. But the Bills should win. Uh, Casey should win. But Cleveland, who's healthy enough to play on that offensive line? They're like yeah. the Colts. They have a lot of number ones. I mean, you just look at the size of Cleveland's offensive line when they're out there. The yeah. Vikings' offensive line looks nothing like that. Yeah. I mean, we just don't. So I, I just I like the way the Colts are built from the, the you know from the front line on both offense and defense, and they've got you know multiple guys who can do you know the job at running back and do the job at receiver. So anyway, but the games that are coming up, Kansas City's the X factor because of their quarterback, and and Green Bay's the X factor because of their quarterback. Yeah, it's for me. I, I uh, it, it's it's all uh, heart rather than head as far as. Uh, anybody that can beat the Packers, that's all I care about at this yeah. point. <laughs> Terrible for me to say that, but that's the truth. Yeah. I've got to be honest. I, 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 uh, I I'm, I, so I, I'm hoping that the the Rams can put another really good game. They, they surprised some people last week because I'll, you know, without their starting quarterback and and they're not sure who they're going to have this week in that position because they're both injured to a certain degree. It'll probably be Goff since he played last week, but uh, I don't know if they got enough firepower to do it. Um, but just somebody beat them. But I, I think they're all going to be really good games. Uh, you know, uh, Buffalo's fun to watch. And uh, Cleveland, you know, they come out uh, beating the Steelers twice in a row and, you know, moving on to KC. I, I don't like their chances, but they're they're going to be fun to watch. You know, maybe uh, M- Baker Mayfield lets it all hang out and have a nice shootout there. That, that That's fun to watch. So I'm kind of excited about that. I did want to ask you, Tim, where did, where did you coach high school football? Why is that a? Oh, nice. So, nice. yeah, so was there one, two state championships, lost two state championships, but wow. you, 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 it really made me appreciate, you know, Eden Prairie has all these advantages built in. I mean, they're, they're like as big as YZ as far as attendance, but of course at the time the Vikings headquarters is out there. So they constantly had mm-hmm. kids from NFL coaches who were NFL players playing on their team. Yeah. <laughs> but, but man, they just run out in the field and they just look different than our kids did. We'd always go, didn't our kids spend the off season in the weight room? Because their kids look a lot different than ours. And, and, you know, Mike Grant doesn't change a lot. You know, they, they just do what they do well. And I, I, I've come to appreciate that. We actually ran Denver's offense, you know, Kubiak and the rest of them from the eighties, we ran that spread offense and I was coaching the running backs and people, I had some great running backs, kids that were just fabulous. And they go, Oh, you, you're a really good coach. And then I, we had a year, we didn't have those offensive linemen. (laughs) All I could do to try to keep my kids alive. I was limiting one kid to 15 carries. And I was saying, you got to get him out of the game. You know, he's going to be, he's going to be damaged. And and, because everybody knew that he was the only threat we had. Um, 
I uh, want him to be able to play college football, you know? So, yeah. so I just, I really like this, the spread offense. I really love play action. You know, I, I know what it does. You can only block one, maybe two players on a play, but, but, but if you run play action effectively and we really prided ourselves on, on the, the whole deception of who's got the ball, you can freeze 10 or 11 guys on that defense. And that's much more effective than blocking one or two. I, I remember uh, you speaking with the, the the importance of the line play and Eden Prairie. I remember a line way back when hearing that the the uh, Eden Prairie's defensive line was bigger than the Vikings' defensive line that they took <laughs> to the '69 Super Bowl, and it was true in size they were. So how things have changed over the years since when you and I first started watching football, Tim. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah, and when you, you'd be even coaching out there, and I just watch some of the collisions and the speed and the conditioning that these kids put in, and and just out there. And I would just go home and say, you know what? It is not the same game I played. <laughs> it, it, yeah. it, it really is something. Yeah, it's Joe? funny. It's, it's funny how that changes. We said I went to Minneapolis South and we played hockey, uh, or I played hockey growing up, and and we just attendance-wise had to play Eden Prairie or Bloomington Jefferson um, in the playoffs each year, and uh, we could beat one A teams that went to state century, so on and so forth. But yeah, it was just those kids are, they grow up drinking something different or eating something different because they are good at what they do. And big. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, good for them. I always wondered if they, uh, how much they, they how good Egan's going to be all of a sudden. Uh, and if Ian Perry's a little upset with, uh, with that move. Um, but yeah, I think that this is a good place for us to, uh, call it quits for the week. I wanted to thank, uh, you, Tim for, look at that. See, I, talk about yeah. great timing. Uh, I wanted to thank, uh, you, Tim for coming on the show. Uh, I had a really good time. I, I foresee this happening, uh, a lot in the future, especially when we open our new offices. I want to obviously thank Joe for, for uh, I guess dealing with me for all these years, but uh, for his his insight and his mentorship, I'm I'm very reflective and excited uh, for 2021 because it just feels like very surreal that a lot of this stuff is happening, especially you know um, working with guys that I've looked up to like you, Tim, uh, I guess Joe, if I had to say it, uh, <laughs> but also you know with with Ufta coming, it's something that. I maybe thought was a fever dream a couple of years ago that that I wasn't. Uh, it, there's been a lot of build up to it, and it's the fact that it's being built now, and that we're going to unveil this amazing thing to uh, sports fans in in Minnesota, and then hopefully in other markets, is is kind of a dream come true. And if not for the listeners and the people that read our stuff, we wouldn't be able to do this. And so I'm very thankful to everybody who listens to this show, who checks out VikingsTerritory.com, PurplePTSD.com, MiniIce.com. Uh, ufta.mn uh, pretty soon uh, it's just uh, it's you know we have a really fun time doing this and what's the quote for Mr. McNiff if we're not having fun we're doing something wrong so uh, got it we're doing it right right now let's hope that holds up uh, any final thoughts fellas love having you Tim it's great to I can't wait to see what uh, you're going to produce and some of the some of the great ideas you got you're bringing aboard and it's 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 exciting for us as as a business and uh, it, it's you know it's exciting to look forward and see what's coming. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, I, I thank you guys for making me feel so at home. And I just want to say that, uh, you know, when, when Joe started to, to reach out to me, um, I was like, his energy and his enthusiasm 
and his, you know, multiple message uh, platform attack was like, <laughs> who is this guy? And then when you, I, <laughs> and then when I started talking to him and I started to get the vision for it, I was like, this sounds like a, a lot of fun. This is, sounds like something I would want to be a part of. So I'm coming in here to, to try to, to, get the opportunity to give the people of Minnesota and wherever the people encounter this content, quality content. If we show up and do the right things at the right places, it's going to be just a great run. And I really look forward to it. And it's really fun to get out here and talk uh, Vikings with you guys today. And I hope you'll let me be for one day, at least an honorary Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Uh, I think, I think we can, As, you know, we, uh, that's what we need. We need more Joes on this place. So you might, or for Tim, you're in for sure. You're, you're in. Awesome. Well, Thanks, we, guys. We will be back next week. Uh, follow us on social media at Viking Territory or at Purple PTSD, and uh, check out the sites over the weekend. We'll be covering everything Vikings, everything Wild, and uh, all the playoff action. Well, this has been the Viking Territory breakdown for the 13th of January. Skull. Our cars will break down, and when they do, the repair bill can be devastating. Not anymore. You need Protect My Car. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV, you can stop paying expensive repair bills. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now to see if you could qualify. Just tell us the make and model and get an instant quote right over the phone and get coverage today. For cars between 2008 and newer, expensive repairs for the engine, transmission, and much more can become a thing of the past. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now before your next repair bill hits. For total protection of your car, truck, or SUV, and less repair bills, plus free oil changes, free tire rotations, and free roadside assistance. Just call 800-392-8795 now. Protect your car and your wallet. Call 800-392-8795. Paid for by Protect My Car. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary. Our cars will break down, and when they do, the repair bill can be devastating. Not anymore. You need Protect My Car. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV, you can stop paying expensive repair bills. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now to see if you could qualify. Just tell us the make and model and get an instant quote right over the phone and get coverage today. For cars between 2008 and newer, expensive repairs for the engine, transmission, and much more can become a thing of the past. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now before your next repair bill hits. For total protection of your car, truck, or SUV, and less repair bills, plus free oil changes, free tire rotations, and free roadside assistance. Just call 800-392-8795 now. Protect your car and your wallet. Call 800-392-8795. Paid for by Protect My Car. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary.